What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. We are doing a special Tuesday episode because we thought we would bring you guys something fun. We have a special guest on the show. Name's Ryan. We're happy to have him. Noah, why don't you give Ryan a nice little uh, Bench Chatter welcome? Welcome, Ryan. Second guest on the podcast. How does that feel? Wow, that's very exciting. I am honored. I'm almost nervous just because I know how, how big this podcast is. But yeah, I'm really excited to talk about some DFS today. I don't, I guess I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm really excited to be on and I'm honored, honestly. Good. Yes, we are pretty big. We reach New Zealand, uh, if you didn't wow. know. Yeah, we, we have at least one listener once upon a time from New Zealand. So we are international. We are international. That is... A mark we have. So we figured we would bring Ryan on because he is. Yeah, Ryan, I've we're, we're good friends. We're good friends. I've known you, you for could quite say some that. time. You could say yeah. that. Um, I called you the other day a fantasy expert, and you you wanted to refute that that claim that I made. But you are a seasoned veteran in the fantasy realm. Uh, what what title do you like to to dispose upon yourself? I guess uh, up and coming, you know, not expert, but seasoned up up and comer. I think is a good way to put it. Just because seasoned up and comer, it's hard to be an expert if you've only done something for you know two or three years. I feel like I feel like you gotta it, fair enough. You know, put in a bit more time than that. But I'm on my way to becoming an expert, if not a master, at daily fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just a, a little bit of background on Ryan. He actually does a little bit of fantasy writing for a couple websites. Uh, now would be the perfect time to to plug those, Ryan, so all the listeners can check out your work on the side. Wow, thank you for uh, throwing that up to me. But yeah, I write for uh, FantasyPros and BettingPros.com. Um, oh. Coming up, I'll be writing a lot of lot of articles on college basketball. That is my favorite sport. I love college basketball, love my March Madness, so definitely more coming up in late February and March. So look out for those, just a bunch on statistical stuff for each team and March Madness and odds and pretty much anything from a tournament standpoint. Beautiful. Alrighty. Well, I, I feel as though that, that kind of speaks for itself as to now why we have brought you on the podcast. Um, it, you know, we're, we're going to focus on daily fantasy and, and the way we're going to structure this is Ryan's going to give us some daily fantasy advice, some tips he's picked up, and then we're just going to kind of go into building a roster for the Wednesday slate, which we're all pretty pumped about. So, yeah, with that out of the way, Ryan, let's just let's get into it. Let's have some fun with this, baby. We're excited to have you and, and impart some wisdom on us. Yeah, I'll jump right in. So I uh, I made five tips, um, not in any particular order, except for this first one, which is by far the most important, and that's following the injury and lineup news before you set your lineup. This is by far the most important part just because, you know, Colin Sexton, 20 minutes before game, can be put into a lineup, and then five minutes before game time he gets scratched and if you have Colin Sexton in your lineup you might as well be burning money for that contest but if you have him out you're just so far ahead of of the rest of the the contest entrance so it's really important just to follow that not only to uh keep people out of the lineup who aren't playing but also just know who to put in for him instead so a couple days ago you know Joel Embiid was out so Dwight Howard was a smash spots play I think he was like 75 percent owned and just understanding you know who's in, who's out, who's starting, who's not, who has a minute restriction, you know, what are the odds of someone getting scratched or someone not playing as much as you might think they do. And especially in NBA, I think it's the most important just because usually that information comes out about 30 minutes before game time. And like the slate tomorrow with a 12-game slate, sometimes it gets thrown under the rug and you you miss it. So you got to really, really focus on that. Colin, you heard that tip, right? He said to watch the injury report. I don't know what you're – what are you getting at? Uh, well, to the listeners, we've uh, – <laughs> me, Colin, and Ryan have been doing daily fantasy lineups for the past two days. And two days in a row, Colin has picked someone <laughs> that has not played. Wait, who did who did you play today that didn't play? Anyeka Okongwu. Dude, oh, ah, classic, classic. I was, I was working till like 6. I got the invite, and I was like, all right – and I didn't check. I, I I didn't follow rule number one. And I just, I saw yesterday Onyeka started, and I was like, hell yeah! 
super cheap. <laughs> I just I want to put yesterday was really soon. I started Rodney Hood, who just had wasn't even playing. He was worth the same as Wayne Ellington too, who I talked about as being a smash hit pick, but I just I don't know. I didn't see him or something. I I picked Rodney Hood instead. He didn't play. But yeah, I I like Onyeka was through like three thousand dollars or something. He was like bottom of the barrel and my strategy was to, to pay big for guys that I I knew were gonna go off, which were Trey Young and Brad Beal. But yeah, that uh I could listen to pick number tip number one. Roto um, World should be your best friend. You should always be checking whatever team you want on Roto World. They they're really good at updating it, like as it happens. Okay, yeah, because I was just about to say, like, where do you guys check for your injuries? Because I use the CBS Sports app. Like, I, I just have like that's the app like I use for like my sports news since like I don't even know high school. Like, wh- where do you guys look? Yeah, so I have a bunch of Twitter notifications, as you know, Colin. Um, yeah. But some of them are fantasy basketball related, so I think fantasy basketball is a Twitter handle, just that. And it always posts the lineups. Mm-hmm. It always posts injury news. And that's the other thing. Like you said, you were working late, and that's what makes it hard sometimes yeah. just because after lock yesterday, the uh, Spurs-Pelicans game got canceled. And yeah. that kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. So even if you you know, have to make it really early in the morning and you only put in players who are guaranteed to play, you know, something like that can still happen. But I just have Twitter notifications. Um, Osimo NBA is a DFS site that always posts – uh, NBA news, so that helps too. But yeah, it's yeah. it's sometimes hard to really be on top of it. Yeah. So, like, how often are you checking, like, these Twitter notifications? Are they just like coming across like your phone, and and you're just kind of like absorbing it, or do you take like multiple times out of your day to be like, okay, like this is what's going on with fantasy? Yeah. Usually, I just know when games start, and usually right uh-huh. before, you know, about thirty minutes before, I'll usually, you know set out a chunk of time to check to make sure that all my lineups are set and no postponed games, no injured players, and really just making sure to get the maximum value out of any player based on that injury news. So usually it's it's kind of stressful, but I'll reserve a bunch of lineups and then fill them all out about 30 minutes before game time just because that's when really all the news pours out. Fair enough. Oh, that's smart. That's smart. So, you, so you, like, when you're making most of your lineups, it's, like, right before tip-off so that you know all your stuff is – fresh to date yeah pretty much not all the time but a lot of the time yeah okay okay damn this is good advice now i know why that's you're what I, that's what i'm here for <laughs> <laughs> yeah for the listener at home i we've we've done lineups uh, we'll call it like two out of every three days for like the last like three weeks and I have won once, and Ryan has won like nine times. It's uh, it's a little bit lopsided. So this wasn't even for you guys. This was just to figure out why I keep losing money to Ryan. Yeah, I think maybe coming into you... today – go ahead, Noah. Maybe because you pick guys that don't play. I think you actually would have made the money last night if you would have picked anyone other than Ronnie Hood. No, I, I would have been close because I would have taken Wayne Ellington like with that money if I had just like, looked up a little bit longer. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, like that's my. Th- I'm. Ugh. It's okay. It's okay. I'm gonna come back strong tomorrow. My lineup's gonna be fire. I'm gonna have all these hot tips. We're gonna be chilling. We're gonna be chilling. Ryan, what's uh, what's number two on this list? Yeah, so number two is just knowing the different types of uh, contests, and this is a good way to build bankroll. Just because entering cash tournaments where it's fifty fifties, um, double ups, it's a good way to build bankroll. It's not as exciting as uh, GPPs, which are grand prize payout tournaments. But it's just mm-hmm. a good way to get started because the lineup building for that seems to be a lot easier just because you can play the guys you want to play. You don't really have to think too much about it. You just want guys with high floors who you know are going to get playing time. But if you're going to play GPPs, you've got to understand how to make a lineup different um, because 85% of the time, and that might sound like a lot, but even that might not be too high. You're you're not going to cash. You're not going to do well. But those are really exciting because when you, you get first, when you really get that big payout, it's really exciting. It really makes it worth it. But um, just focusing on the bankroll part of this, I think, is what is a good way to get started with uh, DFS. Just, you know, hammering home the cash game lineups and the head-to-head and the 50-50s is just a really good way to get started. And there's, like, beginner-only contests where people who have, you know, submitted less than 100 lineups or something like that can only go in. So that's a good way to get started as well. Interesting. Um, Could you break down, like, if it's, like, a... a quick like 30 second synopsis on like what a a head-to-head 
GPP. You kind of explained that one. And then um, what, what, there's three different types of tournaments you can do on DraftKings. And, and just to preface, we do everything on DraftKings. Uh, we, we're not doing our contests on FanDuel. I've heard DraftKings is the superior tool from Ryan and Noah saying that before the call. So rumor has it, those, yeah, most yeah. Rumor has it that you guys said that. Can you confirm? It's I can true. confirm. Yeah. But right. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different contests. There's a lot of different opportunities. I don't really want to get into all of them, but you can do okay. just the classic eight-player lineup under a fifty thousand dollars salary. There's a showdown mode where you only pick players from one game, and you have a captain who scores one point five times more than what they actually get. There's tiers where you don't have any um, price salary cap. You just pick players from different tiers. Um, there's in-game showdown, snake, snake showdown. I haven't actually done those final three, but I don't know. Noah, do you focus on any ones in particular? Um, I'm more of a classic, just um, like eight-man, 50K salary. But I think the tiers is actually, um, if you're just getting into Daily Fantasy, I think the tiers is not an awful option to start with because it really dumbs it down. Like, you're only picking from a certain amount of guys, and I think it's a good intro to um, getting into Daily Fantasy if you don't follow the NBA too closely. Maybe I should get in on that. Yeah, it's a pretty easy way just because you don't have to think about staying under that salary cap, kind of like Noah mentioned. It's just you just pick your players, and then you roll with it. Very nice. I like it. I like it. You know, you no, know, you said it, it gets dumbed down. I that might be right up my alley. Yeah. Do they put players on there who are going to be injured? Actually, it's don't. only players that are injured. That's really tough. How do you? Who wins? The goal is, is actually to score, score the points? lowest amount of points. Yeah, you you want to get zero points as your goal, and I think you could. Clay do Thompson, down. Spencer Dinwiddie, mm, White Howard, Rodney Hood, Kerr Slippard. Rodney Hood, Rodney Hood, yeah, Rodney Hood would be my captain. He's scoring one and a half times. <laughs> but <laughs> you go, Ryan. Go. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, your question about you know different types of lineups and stuff yeah. leads to my third point, which is Hell just yeah. under. It's just understanding kind of the intricacies of lineup building, and this is kind of getting a bit more advanced. But generally across DFS, <sighs> there's uh, three pillars for lineup building, and that's projections, correlation, and leverage. And oh, you don't really God. have to worry about correlation. We can pass by that in NBA, but it's definitely important across other sports. So generally speaking, you want 5X for every player for cash games. And what that means is you have a $10,000 player, you need 50 points out of them, or a $7,500 player, you need about 37.5 as your floor. But for GPPs, you're looking for them to go off, you know, have that little fire symbol above them. So you're looking for 5X plus 10. And that's what I talked about, about how different it is for cash versus GPPs, because um, GPPs, if you want to be in first, you got to find a way to be really different. you got to find a way to get leverage. And what leverage means is basically, um, so every player has a certain percentage chance of being in the optimal lineup every day, right? You know, certain mm -hmm. percent chance that they are in the lineup that is the best possible lineup for that slate. Now, like Dwight Howard the other day with Embiid out was probably like 40% to be in that. But since he's, his ownership is like 75%, that's negative leverage. So fading him would have actually been a really good idea last night just because he only scored like 18 fantasy points. And it sounds a lot easier than it actually is, but that's the other thing is just understanding with GPPs, you really got to be different. You really got to find a way to find leverage and fade the chalk, which is really popular players as compared to when it comes to cash. So find a good way to get projections, um, find players that are correlated together, and then understand leverage opportunities for GPPs especially. So when you're looking for um, leverage and players to pick, Ryan, you typically find yourself finding more value out of these cheaper value guys, or do you think you're finding more value in like the higher price guys that guys maybe aren't picking that night? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, I'd say it depends on the slate. Just because, like with 12 games late tomorrow, it's a lot easier to find value. It's a lot easier just to kind of go with who you want. Just because since it's 12 games, even if you have a guy who you think is in a smash spot, he's not going to be that high owned just because there's so many players. But for like tonight, mm -hmm. there was only three games. So you really have to find value with like the lower players. You really have to get it right. Otherwise, you're screwed. Um, I did not do that today, but that's all right. We'll bounce back tomorrow. 
So usually the lower players doing really, really well is what I focus on just because having a 3K guy or 4K guy get 40 points is, you know, that's 10 times the value, which is phenomenal. And if you had that out of everyone, you get first in every time. And that's a lot harder to find with like, you know, the Joker who's already at 10,000 for him to get 100 points. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so because even though I kind of shot the bed and, and picked Inyaka and Kangwu who got zero <laughs> X, didn't record any Xs at all, um, my, my lineup was it was fine, you know. But I, I, I took that strategy where I based my team around having Trey Young and Brad Beal, who I think were, were two of the most expensive players you could purchase for today's slate, especially with Kawhi and Paul George going out. Um, is is that like a sound strategy for this this leverage that you're talking about? Because it, my thought process was, okay, with only six games, I need to have the guys who I know are going to go off on my team. So I think Trey ended up with the, the fire symbol um, and, and Brad Beal, you know, did what he had to do what give give me your grade yeah no you i mean the decisions you made weren't awful and definitely like you said putting in people who you know have a consistent floor especially when it's just playing between you know us three or the five of us because it's a lot easier to beat us five because there's only four of the lineups you're going Mm -hmm. against so they're not going to be that creative but like entering something like that in a multi uh, mass multi-entry tournament with you know seventy thousand people probably isn't a mm-hmm. good idea just because you know everyone's going to have Trey Young you know everyone's going to have Beal and you know Trey Young was a good chalk to eat but Beal you know he did fine but you might have found value somewhere else. Yeah, I just want to point way... out that I lost by ten points. So if Onyaka had played, I would have won. Uh, yeah, the way I like building, I actually like finding my um, cheap, like when I'm building my lineup, I like finding my cheaper guys first, and then filling in the stars after I have my lineup, like my cheap guys set, because I do think that you're going to win these lobbies through finding the like, 3k to 4k guys that go off that night, as opposed to just trying to stack your lineup with stars. Yeah. That's a you know a really really good strategy and something I do sometimes is just find a player I know I want to play in all my lineups and then go from there and some someone like that was you know Demarcus Cousins today um, yes sir he was very very highly owned but also a very very good chance that he was in the optimal lineup and he went off he was only six k and he put up fifty points which is phenomenal value and even if he's owned you know eighty percent that's still fine because you are ahead of the rest of the twenty percent of the field by a mile. So you can even find leverage with high-owned guys, too. Okay. So you, you kind of skipped over you, the idea of correlation, and I think I've heard this topic explained before on a forum, but could you just give us a, a brief idea of what that is? Maybe even an example in a, a different sport and, and what it means there and then how it plays into the NBA. Because I, I know it does play a little bit, at least, of a factor. Yeah, so let's go to the NFL, probably the most popular sport, definitely the most popular sport for daily fantasy. You take Patrick Mahomes, and he has a really, really high correlation with Tyreek Hill just because, obviously, if Mahomes is doing well, he's probably passing to Hill or Kelsey or Hardman or Demarcus Robinson, who all have positive correlation. Now, obviously, Mahomes going off has a really negative correlation with the Buccaneers' defense, so you never really want to build lineups that have both of those in there just because because it's really, really capping um, your your ceiling just because, you know, both of them can't really have a good day. It's very, very rare that that happens. Now, if we look mm-hmm. at the NBA, the correlations are much lower. Um, like DeMarcus Cousins has a .04R correlation with Jordan Bell, which is basically oh, minimal. Like basically nothing, so that's, yeah. Yeah, it's basically nothing, but still he has a, a, a minus .1 correlation with Bradley Beal. And it may seem like nothing, and that's fine to not really consider it. But with these, especially the bigger tournaments, you know, being first to like 20th is sometimes a difference of one or two points. And just thinking about that and just considering that um, sometimes these players who go off means that another person won't or is limited might 
be the difference between winning, you know, $1,000 or cashing $20 in a dollar entry. Okay. So I want to move on to the next point, but I just have like one last question there. So does that mean would somebody like Chris Paul, who's an assist machine and runs the Suns offense, would he have a positive correlation with some of his teammates? Because when he's doing well, it generally means that the team is doing well and the offense is running efficiently. Whereas a guy like, mm, I I don't know, like Brad Beal, is just a you know a ball dominant scorer and just putting up shots and if he's putting up shots his teammates aren't getting shots like is that the way to kind of look at it? Yeah, basically, um, there's actually a website that I use called SaberSim. Um, not sponsored by them. Wish we would. That would be awesome. But uh, <laughs> they actually have a three day trial if you want to try it for free and they show your correlations, your distributions. And I actually just looked at what you just asked and basically Chris Paul and Beal have almost minimal to no correlation with the rest of their team. Um, it's a good way to think about it though, just because, you know, sometimes, sometimes there's a much bigger difference with correlation from game to game, but generally speaking, you know, over mass large sample size, there isn't really that much correlation with his teammates at least. Gotcha. All right. All right. That's interesting. I'm going to check that out. You have a fourth point. I do have a fourth point, and it's a pretty simple point, but it's just trust and use Vegas to your advantage. And and what I mean is that Vegas is, you know, at its base is just a really accurate prediction model and probably one of the most accurate prediction models out there. And it's not always right, but even if it's right, you know, 40, 50, 60% of the time, it really, really helps. And what you should focus on is just over-unders, you know, you can find pace of play, you can find spreads. So if you have two teams with the highest over-under on the slate, you're going to want a lot of exposure to those players. It's, you know, pretty simple. But if, you know, the Bucks are playing the Pistons and it's a 16-point spread, maybe look at the backups because there's a much bigger chance for a blowout. And there's a plenty of prediction, projection models out there and a bunch of sites, a bunch of information, but Vegas is just a simple go-to. It's really easy to find. It's always free to look at the odds and even players, you know, chances of scoring or what their assist totals are. And just using that to see, you know, maybe this guy's really low priced, but Vegas really likes him today because of, you know, someone that's out. So just really looking at odds and spreads and over-unders especially just to understand exposure to certain players and others. I like that. Thank you. I like that. That's yeah. That's that's interesting. Like I feel like that's like such like a no brainer, but it's not anything I'd thought of. You know, like I I like especially like the over under comment. Like, like duh. Like how have I not thought about yeah. that? You know. <laughs> no, I uh. mean, yeah. It's it's something simple, but it definitely helps, especially just if you're looking for an inexpensive way to find projections. They basically give it to you. Tim. That's a good one. No, have you ever thought about that? Or are you are you being dumped new information as well? No, I really am uh, being flooded with new information I haven't really thought about before, but I'm definitely going to use that to my advantage. I have not heard that before, but it definitely seems like a no-brainer now. Yeah, like some of that stuff is intuitive. You no, know, like we've talked about this before, like the idea of like, especially like we've referenced the Bucks as blowing teams out and therefore... In, in normal fantasy basketball, their Bobby bench Portis. players, yeah, Bobby Portis having e- extreme value because he's getting those essentially garbage time minutes where he's just, you know, stuffing his stat sheet. And, and so I, I think I incorporate some of those ideas into my, my fantasy, um, my daily fantasy uh, lineups, but like really cognizantly taking the time to to seek that information out is definitely not something I've done. So I yeah I think I'm gonna I definitely have to start incorporating that. And Ren, you, you mentioned something interesting. You, you mentioned the idea of, of pace of play. How indicative of a stat is pace of play for just hitting the over unders, scoring points, all of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really dived into that all that much, but basically, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, just trust Vegas, and if they think the over-under is really low, even though pace of play is really high, that probably means that you're just getting a bunch of inefficient players, whereas on the opposite side of the pace of play is low, but you're getting a high total, it's just really, really efficient players, which is a lot riskier just because you need them to do really, really well for them to even, yeah. you know, reach their floor. 
But, you know, I I don't think that, like, Trey Young has been an okay three-shooter this year, right? But it's just his volume He's of shots. He's actually been garbage. Yeah, but it's just his volume of shots is what makes him so valuable and consistently in the 9K price tag. So really the pace of play, I'd say it's pretty important just because if you're shooting 100 shots and making 25% of them, that's much better than shooting, you know, 40 and making half of them. You know, quick maths. Yeah. So uh, pace of play is definitely important. Interesting. Interesting. Damn, that could be the best point you said yet. I am intrigued. Alrighty, you you have one last point for us and our listeners. Let's let's hear it. I do. It's it's not that exciting. It might be kind of cliche, but basically, it's just find what works for you. Um, Daily fantasy has only existed for like thirteen years, and it really has only been in mainstream media for like five or six years so i still think there's new theories and strategies that are yet to be found i mean like chess is still finding new stuff so there's got to be new game theories and stuff for daily fantasy but and if you just follow chess like, is only str- two thousand years old i know it's so young exactly that's what so, i'm saying <laughs> if you follow like one site or one strategy blindly you probably won't find much much success just because everyone else is also doing those things and everyone else is probably doing very very similar strategies to you so you won't ever get that first place you know grand prize that you're looking for um so something i do i think i mentioned it earlier is just finding one player i really like or finding one player i really don't like whether they're high owned or not high owned and either incorporating all of them in my lineups or fading all of them from my lineups but really there's just so much information out there whether it's free or uh, paid for i use saber sim and awesomeo um there's a bunch of free stuff on awesomeo i really like that site but even like reddit r slash dfs sports People post stuff all there all the time for every sport. Um, I know rotogrinders.com has like rankings of DFS players and their success. So you can just scroll through them and you know try to find their Twitter accounts and see who posts stuff there. I think that was a really good way because you can do sports specific stuff. But really what you put in, you'll get out. And you know people complain about having a really good lineup and not cashing, but that's because every player they have was really, really high owned and they don't really understand leverage and ownership fading. But others complain about being in the top 1% of really big tournaments and only, you know, like doubling their money. And that's just because the contests they're entering aren't the right ones. So just going back to my other points, you know, find the right contest, understanding building lineups, um, experiment a bit, try new sports, use info out there. Sometimes it's a grind, but those big cash payouts are really, really fun. And it's just really exciting to do casually as well. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That was some phenomenal advice. No, I think we we can actually probably incorporate some of that into our analysis of you know the the actual fantasy ownership, especially the uh, the waiver streams. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. And I just wanted to give one more shout out to I use uh, one of the resources I use is Sportsline.com, and they have a uh, they just do projections every day for DraftKings and FanDuel, and they break it down by position. And they'll have guys in either A tier, B tier, C tier, or fade tier. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to give them a shout out. I think they do pretty good work. But yeah, that was really good advice, Ryan. Honestly, that was probably some of the best like daily fantasy advice I've ever heard. And should we just jump into making a lineup for Wednesday? Get the boys some I, money. Oh, I'm excited about this. I have to be <laughs> honest. This is I'm 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 pretty jazzed for this. I I like to see the process at work. So. Uh, if you're listening at home, you can copy this lineup. You know, Ryan's guaranteeing that it, it cashes or your money okay, back. All right. Okay. Or he'll Venmo you personally. <laughs> Match every contest payment. <laughs> you you can uh, find his Venmo tag at Ryan. Uh, okay. Did you think no, I was going to say it? I was <laughs> scared that you'd know it. But, <laughs> I don't man, think I was say that maybe. Much. Maybe I shouldn't be giving all this advice, playing you guys every day. I've, my my <laughs> reign of winning every time might come to an end. But yeah, I mean, no, it's okay. all this information's out there. Tomorrow. <laughs> please, please do. <laughs> I don't even know if they're playing. Yeah. So uh, to break this down for the listener, we are drafting on fan or on uh, DraftKings. DraftKings has it broken down, and you pick a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward, a center, and then you pick a guard which could be a point guard or a shooting guard. And then you pick a forward, which could be a small forward or a power forward. And then you pick a utility guy, which could be any position. And you have 50000 to spend on making your lineup. Yeah, it's a good rundown. Also, I will say that um, 
This lineup will have a huge asterisk next to it just because, like I said, there's still a bunch of injury news that's yet to come out. And there's players that I really like now who I might not like, might not like later based on who plays and who doesn't. But yeah, let's jump right into it. Bada bing, bada boom. I just, I'm, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna use this lineup. I'm, I'm gonna put it in a uh, three dollar fifteen k hot shot little little tourney. So this is for the boys. I feel like this lineup is either gonna be like the best lineup I've ever made, or it's just gonna be absolute trash, and it's gonna be no in between. Alrighty, I love it. I, I'm pumped. Uh, do we just want to run it down? Like, like start at the point guard position. Like, how do you? Let's let's break down the mind. Like, how do you guys? I know Noah. You mentioned how you start. You look for your your value guys first, and then build around that. And Ryan, you kind of echoed that you might take a similar strategy. Uh, yeah. Like, like, how do we want to start this lineup out? Where, where do we look to begin? Go ahead, Noah. So. Um, so my strategy, let's say on Monday, on Monday, when I was looking for what point guard I wanted in my team, there was news that Kimball Walker wasn't going to play in a back-to-back and that Peyton Pritchard was also out. So that leaves the Celtics really with two starting caliber guards in Jeff Teague and Marcus Smart. And I chose Jeff Teague on Monday because he was 3,700 and he was going to get the start. So right there for me, that's like really good value, but I also don't think it's a bad strategy to like just pick pick the star that you want that you think personally has the best matchup that night. What do you think about that, Ryan? Yeah, I really think that's a good strategy. Um, like you said, it's either really good value or just an absolute star stud because it gives you when you build your lineup like average remaining for player, and it starts with sixty two fifty. And I'm never really just building all lineups with just, you know, 6K people, but I usually try to distinguish between really, really good value at low ends and just star-studded people who, you know, you know will get like 50 points. Mm-hmm. Um, not to get too off topic, but Ryan, what do you do when you pick Jamal Murray for your team? And and you say to yourself, it's going to be different than last time. He's Jamal Murray. We saw him put up multiple 50-point games in the bubble. He's a good player. And then he scores five points. Is is it okay to send him hate mail? Um, I wouldn't go that far as hate mail. Maybe like a tweet or, you know, you can text your friends okay. like, wow, I, I'm really upset with this. But, you know, he's trying his best. It's not like he's purposely getting five points. But I guess if I had a six-point um, it would be to have a short memory, um, just because sometimes people go off, sometimes people are duds, but you just got to look at the matchup, you got to look at the value, you got to look at, especially mm-hmm. minutes played is a pretty good point, just because sometimes, you know, they'll go two from 13 from three and play 40 minutes, but only have like yeah. 12 points, but that 40 minutes is more important than the two for 13. But yes, I'm sir, that is, your that is something me and Colin are big, big believers in, is that if you have the opportunity that is almost more important than what stats you actually put up. Yeah. Like that's like our advice, like uh, across Reddit. Like if, if you are picking a guy, if you're streaming a guy that is going to be on the court, the longer he's on the court, the more opportunity he has to put up stats. And that's all that matters. I mean, you, you put me out on an NBA court for 30 minutes. I, all right. What are you gonna say? Here? I would. I would have so much here? money to see that. Oh, I would love to see that. Right. That'd be so All right. fun. Fine, fine, fine. Not me. I would put up zero stats. Maybe commit like, a handful. Pull of the Tony movies. Snell. <laughs> maybe I'd follow somebody. I could get to the line. Maybe no, no. I'd pull a Tony Snell. Most Do you think you could get like one rebound off a weird bounce? No, maybe? dude. That's maybe. I'm you like, could hit a corner three. Okay, Kemba, Kemba's gotten. In a, like a rebound before. If Kemba can get a rebound, I can get a rebound. You know, you are six right? seven. So I mean, that's right. Yeah, people that's forget. Right. People forget that I'm six seven. Alrighty, so so reeling it back. Let's start here. So I'm looking at point guards. I see Colin Sexton is only sixty six hundred for a point guard, and is that because because he's averaging thirty seven a night? I mean, quick math there. You're already up on your your six k multiple, right? Or your your five k multiple? Yeah, I 
was actually going to talk about Sexton. I think he he's, he might be my favorite play of the slate for tomorrow. He might be the guy that I lock in every lineup just because, like, four games ago, I mean, he had that 63-point outing against Brooklyn. Um, mm-hmm. People just remember how he got ruled out last second, you know, twice. And he, he came—I mm-hmm. think he played the Lakers a couple days ago, and he didn't really have that great of a game. But the defense with Detroit, who he's facing tomorrow, is, is a lot easier— and I just really like him at that price tag of 6,600. Um, he was 7,300 about a week ago. So he's he's come down. I think it's a really good buy low spot. He can definitely put up a nice floor and even a higher ceiling. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go ahead and, and just maybe quick we can we can touch on a couple other guys at, at the point guard position. Um, the, the highest guy on the list is Luka Doncic. I mean – you can't say enough of the guy. He's he's just absolutely gone off in a couple games in a row. Do you like him? Do you like Steph Curry, Trey Young, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie? Are, are all big names. TJ McConnell, Fred Van Fleet. Who are there just like names in the point guard slot that, that you are liking kind of at that more upper echelon, that above 7K tier? Yeah, so I won't cover every single player for the sake yeah, of time. Of but um, answering your Luca question, I I think it's just a good spot to fade him. I mean, there's just so much value on the slate that 10,900 is a lot. He did come off of an 83 point game, so I think it's just a good sell high, especially against Den- or, uh, Utah, who has one of the best defenses in the league. So I'm not going to have that much Luca exposure, but Steph is probably one of my more favorite high owned or high price guy above 9K, just because he's playing Minnesota for the second time after you know playing them yesterday, two days ago. And he put up yeah. 53.5 fantasy points, and he didn't really have that great of a game. Um, he, he His price tag only went up 100, and I just really like the Warriors because I think they can put up a lot of points. And it's it's a bit risky just with the blowout um, risk, but even if they're blowing them out, that means Steph is probably having a pretty solid game. Yeah, when I when I think about um like if I were to want to include Luke on my team too, I'm thinking about... You know, I wouldn't consider us casual fans. I think um, we follow the NBA a little too closely to be considered casuals. But if you're a casual mm-hmm. fan doing daily fantasy, Luca is probably at the top of your list. And as Ryan said earlier, we're trying to find that leverage, find the guys that people aren't getting that you can find more value out of too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then I'll just go quick through the rest of the point guards that I got in my little notes here. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin at 4K might actually be one of the most valuable plays of the slate, but that's with um, if D'Lo is only out. Just because he played 22 minutes with him being out, he put up 26.5 fantasy points. I think everyone Ooh. went to Ricky Rubio um, for that game when D'Lo was out last time against Golden State, but he's at uh, 4K now, so even if he still stays at 22 minutes and puts up that same amount, he's a massive massive value because that's about 6.5x and i think everyone will go to rubio but if d'lo is out mclaughlin i def- definitely have a lot of um Kyrie at 8800 uh, i'd say gpp only because it's definitely contrarian definitely leverage spot because i don't think everyone's gonna really roster him just with the big three there now it's kind of risky to play any of them but he's bound to go off at one time i think 8800 is the lowest he's been all year and against atlanta i think it's a really good spot especially with them coming off the back-to-back um, Chris Paul might see a small boost at 7,600. I think Devin Booker has already been ruled out. Might be a fine cash play. Uh, Shea Gildress-Alexander has been really reliable. DeLon Wright almost broke the slate last time, and he got a 1K extra bump, but he could easily run it back. Lamelo at 6,200, he's dropped a bit. I think he's he's been nice. Uh, he, he's, he's a fine play, especially in GPP. He was at 7,900, which is where his ceiling lies, and I think he can reach that value. And then uh, Kendrick Nunn at 5,700, he... Kind of has been depleted a bit, and that's definitely depending on the heat news, but I'd like him if uh, I think Tyler Hero and Drogic are both questionable right now. And then Trey Young could obviously go off again at, against Brooklyn at 9,200. But yeah, nice. Noah, what, do you, what are your thoughts on point guard? Yeah, so um, very interesting. I didn't have Colin Sexton on my list, but I do think I might go with him now. But um, I had I had DeJounte Murray. Uh, versus Boston for 6,600. You know, he's pretty consistent for that um, Spurs team, but I think his ceiling is a little lower than some of the other guys you could be getting at that money value. Um, I had I had two cheap guys for under 5K. Um, I had TJ McConnell versus Charlotte at, for 4,900. I had Monty Morris versus Miami for 4,300. He's Denver's backup point guard. And then 
I had Malcolm Brogdon at 8600 but I don't really feel good about that just because of the 8600 price tag. But Malcolm Brogdon sneaky does like very solid numbers every game. But 8600 is a little turn off for me. So I think I might actually go with Colin Sexton for 6600 here. Mm. I like that. Uh, so just just for for sake of continuity and in, in you know building a little rapport and in, in how and in, in insight into how this goes, I locked in Colin Sexton on my sheet for sixty six hundred, and I really liked your McLaughlin pick, Ryan. So I put him in my guard spot for four K. So it, it looks like I've got like sixty five hundred dollars on average left for my last six players. Let's let's start. Let's go here next. Ryan, I know it. Like, who are the guys that you just think have the most value on this entire slate? Like, where are you seeing kind of that sweet spot we talked about earlier? That like under five k guy who we just think might pop off. Where are we seeing that? And let's build our lineups around that. I have the perfect guy for this. Wow, um, a, a guy me and Colin. There. I like it. A guy me and Colin have already talked about. He's on the Detroit Pistons. He's on an absolute heater of a streak right now. Wayne Ellington coming in at $4,900. And, I mean, what else needs to be said, Colin? We're riding the Wayne Ellington tra- train until the wheels fall off, really. Dude, and the train only – it picked up steam last night. I mean, it just kept going. We, we got on the train, and then and then it picked up speed. Then, more, like, more people are on the train now. I, I think it's, it's only going to go faster. I mean, eventually we're just going to run through the goddamn wall. Yeah, how do you feel about that, Ryan? Is Wayne Ellington a guy that you had been giving any thought to? Um, I definitely gave thought to him. I definitely think, like you said, that he, the train for him is is just going to keep rumbling, and everyone's going to hop on that bandwagon. So I think his ownership might be a bit too high for my like my liking, just because. I mean, he's had pretty good games. He's had nice minutes, but I think he's a fine play. I probably will be about under the field compared to the rest of everybody, but Cleveland, I mean, is a fine matchup. And also the only thing is he only has shooting guard eligibility, so it's a bit harder to find him in all of my lineups just because he can only Mm -hmm. really be shooting guard or guard or utility. But, yeah, I'm all for it. Who are some other shooting guards you like, Ryan? Well, that's a good question. Let me see here. So I like Sexton, too, as a shooting guard just because he's available there. Um, Andrew Wiggins, I'm not crazy about, but he just had a really nice performance again against Minnesota. Um, I think I've said that I like most of the Golden State. Um, if George Hill is out, I do like Hamadou Diallo. He might be a really, really valuable spot, especially because he's shooting guard small forward eligible. So that means that he's guard eligible, forward eligible, utility. He can be in like five out of the eight you know, lineup spots. So I really, really like him. And then um, some honorable mentions, you know, Wayne Ellington, I did have down and then Tyrese Halliburton too. He's got a minutes bump last game. He played 31 minutes after only playing like 20 minutes on average, pretty much for the previous games. So if he's consistently at 31 minutes at 5,200, I really, really like that. He might be able to break the slate. All right. I, I need a quick piece of advice. How do I break my habit of putting Joe Harris in just about every goddamn lineup I make. Because I look at Joe Harris and I go, all Joe Harris has to do is hit nine threes. Nobody's going to guard him. He's 5700 bucks. You know, wh- why should I not start Joe Harris? I feel like Duncan Robinson has, has a little bit of that for me too. Like these are just guys where maybe they're not household names, but everybody pretty much knows them. Um... Like, like when when do you find value in those guys? Because to me, it seems like they could pop off at any night. Do you see any rhyme or reason as to when they have those games? Go ahead, Noah. Um, that's really the like the five k to six guy six k guys. I always seem to have a little trouble picking because you know. It's just, it's, it is Joe Harris. Like, you know what you're getting from him every night. But I think I'd almost rather go try and, like, aim for the stars, you know, and get the super guy mm-hmm. to, and see if he can get more value out of it. But that's just my, like, thought process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who, who is, who is going to pass him the ball? Like, how is he really, his usage rate must not be very high, but I'd say don't think that he's going to, you know, scored nine threes every game. I don't even know if he has this entire season, but no, pretty much the only time I'd consider him, him is uh, 
you know, maybe when they're in a really high-paced matchup or really bad defense that they're facing, just where there'll be points galore, you know, those games where they have the potential to post like 130, 140, because he's got to do some scoring there. But really, I, I, mm-hmm. I am never crazy about Joe Harris, but I assume neither will anyone else, and his price will continue to to fall and to continue to slip. So maybe when he gets down below 5,000, then I can consider him and agree with you for locking okay. him in my lineup. Gotcha. Uh, I... One last guy I wanted to talk about before we move into the forwards and the center. Mm-hmm. Um, have Ryan, have you been giving any thought to uh, Devin Vassell? He's currently $3,900, and he's uh, the fantasy basketball community as a whole is pretty high on this guy. So yeah. I just wanted to get your opinion on him. Interesting. I have like, that's the great thing about these slates is there's so many players who it's like, I've barely even heard of before, but he is coming yeah. off a pretty good game against Washington. I mean, Washington's defense is definitely worse than Boston's. Um, he did play 24 minutes though. And you know, anyone who's less than 4k that consistently plays more than 20 minutes, which he has been in each of his last four games. I think that's a fine spot. That's definitely a good leverage opportunity just because he might not even be owned by more than 1% of any slate. So I think that's an okay play. I wouldn't really ever expect much out of him, but especially in GPPs, it could be really sneaky. Nice. I right, just for the sake of time, let's clump um, small forwards forwards just all together. Ryan, just rattle off who are a couple forwards that you really like for this slate. Yeah, I basically did that in my notes, but um, I'm not crazy about the forwards. They're not very good value but uh chris middleton i don't mind um everyone's usually focusing on Giannis, so middleton kind of slips through the rug thrown under the rug that's the same i'm looking for but he's gotten (laughs) 5x in uh three out of his last four games and one the one he didn't it was 4.96x so he's been really consistent i really like him in cash lineups i mean he just has a really good floor brandon ingram has been mr you know consistent and he he did struggle a bit but in his last two games he played utah so I think Washington, obviously, as I said before, is much, much better opportunity for him. I think he'll have a really, really solid game. And then for a punt, um, I'd go Eric Pascal. He's 3,600. Um, I'm just kind of banking on him playing because there's, you know, it'll be 140 to 80 and he'll get playing time. And even if he plays like 20 minutes, which he's been doing relatively consistently, I think that's a really good spot because he can get 18 to 20 points and that'll still be really, really good. Other than that, I mean, Andre Iguodala, depending on the heat and their uh, injury news, has been pretty consistent. He got 6.6x last outing across 28 minutes. And if he gets similar playing time, then he'll be a really, really good spot because his price didn't raise. And then Gordon Hayward has kind of been on a tear of late. He's been having like 50, 60-point outings. It's it's been crazy. And he has been playing really bad defenses. I don't know if Indy's much better. I know you're a fan of them, Noah, but... I mean, he's he's a fine spot. I just know that he'll have to come down at one point. Yeah, he. Um, I could. I, I'm. I think I'm gonna put him in my lineup mainly because in uh, the Pacers don't have a good option to stop him right now, and he's been on an absolute heater of a streak. Oh yeah. But um, two forwards I really like. Uh, well, one of them, DeAndre Hunter, is one of them. I've been putting DeAndre Hunter in my daily fantasy lineups almost every time the Hawks have a game. But now he's up to 6,500, which is a little harder to justify taking him when he's not smashing his value into the roof. But I really like DeAndre Hunter. And then another guy I really like is, um, oh, where is he? Oh, I can't find him. Oh, I like Isaiah Roby. Um, But I only, he's 5K right now. But I only like Isaiah Roby if, um, while Al Horford is out. Um, While Al Horford is out. Yeah, Isaiah Roby's getting all these starting minutes, and he's played above 25 minutes in their last five games. And for a guy that's only 5K and you're getting the starter, like, that's pretty good value. Yeah, that's decent. That's decent. Yeah, that's, that's a good pick. Ryan, just, uh, again, take a time. Who are you seeing in the center position? Yeah, center position I kind of hate. <laughs> um, there's not really Fair much enough. that I love. Um if Embiid is out again, Dwight Howard, you got to go back to. I mean, 4,400, if he plays 25 minutes, then that's easy cash. And I think he'll be lower owned just because of his dud that he had last game. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, Jokic, Jokic, yeah, I can never pronounce his name, is Jokic. not a Jokic, is not a bad spot. Um, like I said, there's so much value on the slate that he might be a good spot to pay up at. 
And, I mean, other than that, I'm not crazy. Like, Andre Drummond might be a really, really good GPP leverage spot just because no one's been playing him with Jared Allen, you know, in the mix. But he got 48 mm-hmm. points across 28 minutes last game, and Detroit's a really solid matchup. Miles Turner I also really like, just especially if Sabonis is out, he might get a little bit more usage, more rebounds, you know, just more playing time all around. And then mm-hmm. if you really just want a punt spot, um, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Batazde, Goga Batazde. Goga Batazde. Um, there we go. go. He saw tw- he played 12 minutes um, with Sabonis leaving the game early last time, and he's at the minimum 3K. So if Sabonis is out again, that's just a really easy punt spot. Nice. Yeah, I kind of like um, DeAndre Ayton at 7,300 versus OKC. Um, OKC doesn't really have a good center to stop him. They have Isaiah Roby, but when you're comparing DeAndre Ayton to Isaiah Roby, Isaiah Roby literally looks like an eight-year-old. So I think um I think he could be due for a big game. But yeah, the centers are hard. Like you could take a guy like Vooch. He's ninety two hundred. You know what he's getting you every game, but is that really worth your ninety two hundred? It's hard to justify sometimes. Yeah, he's been really consistent, but I really wouldn't play him outside of cash lineups just because he's been consistent but hasn't really reached his ceiling yet from what I've seen. Yeah. Um I just just to wrap it up really quickly. I'm going to lock in Rudy Gobert as my center. Uh, I think okay. he's incredibly <laughs> in, incredibly consistent, um, always getting boards. So I actually – this lineup is, is actually fire that, that we've been building. So just to end the show with this, uh, I'm, I'm going to rattle off the lineup. I want to say thank you to Ryan. Thank you to Noah. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, Ryan, to see a line from part of my take, you've been on now, so you're, you're going to have to be a reoccurring guest, which means whenever we want you on, you have to come on and give us All fantasy right. advice. I'm fine with that. I'll be on call. Alrighty. Hell yeah. No, are you good with that? Or should we kick him to the can? Yeah, Ryan did a fantastic job this episode. Compared to our first guest, Ryan is a 10 out of 10. <laughs> fuck um, our you first know. guest. God damn it. Oh, <laughs> fuck that guy. I appreciate the praise. Wait, so what's the lineup, Colin? You got to say it. All right, yeah. all right. Here it is: point guard Colin Sexton at sixty-six hundred, shooting guard Wayne Ellington forty-nine hundred, small forward Chris Middleton eighty-two hundred, power forward Brandon Ingram eight thousand, center Rudy Gobert seventy-two hundred, guard James McLaughlin four K, forward Eric Pascal thirty-six hundred, utility player Gordon Hayward seventy-five hundred. Okay, that's free money. I feel like that's fire, and I hit submit. Three of those guys will not play tomorrow. That is the (laughs) luck I'm on. Alrighty, any any last thoughts? Yeah, uh, real quick, I made a lineup before this. If you don't mind, if I could just go through it. Go Um, for it. My my point guard it's Jordan McLaughlin. Shooting guards Colin Sexton. Small forwards Hamadou Diallo. Power forward Pascal. Centers Miles Turner. Guard Steph Curry, forwards Andre Iguodala, and then utility is the Joker at 10-5. And, yeah. Okay. All right, I guess I'll say my lineup real quick, too. Uh, um, get it. Point guard, I have Colin Sexton. Shooting guard, I have Wayne Ellington because we're riding that train until the fucking wheels fall Choo-choo, off. Choo-choo, baby. <laughs> Small forward, I have Devin Vassell. Uh, power forward, I have not decided yet. It might be Jeremy Grant. Probably won't be, though. Center, I have DeAndre Ayton. Guard, I have Jordan McLaughlin. Forward, I have Gordon Hayward. And utility, I have Miles Turner right now. But I want to fit Steph Curry into the team somehow. So I'll probably change my lineup like 10 times before I actually submit it. What? Yeah, I do that. Yeah, we're, we're all really riding the uh, McLaughlin train. But again, if, <laughs> if D'Lo plays, do not play him. He's only good if starting point guard is out. You hear that, Colin? No, I, I forgot already. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, alrighty. This is a great episode. Thank you to everybody who listened. Hopefully you can learn something from this. We appreciate everybody who listens as always. Thank you to Ryan for coming out tonight. We had a ton of fun with this one. Uh, Noah, any parting thoughts? Nope. Uh, thanks for listening guys. Thank you for Ryan for coming on and, uh, have a good rest of your week. Bada bing, bada boom. We'll see you fellas. Peace out.